Welcome to Deep in Dizziness, the show that explores the latest information, treatment, and techniques that provide hope to those suffering from dizziness, vertigo, and balance problems. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Brooke Pierce and Dr. Chelsea Nava. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Deep in Dizziness. My name is Dr. Chelsea Nava, and this is my sidekick, my one and only Dr. Brooke Pierce. We are audiologists and specialize in leading vestibular diagnostic testing and therapeutic techniques. And I'm pretty ecstatic for today's show. You should be. So thanks for the introduction. Um, today's topic is going to be all about providing helpful resources and education for dizzy patients, and specifically a patient's journey to recovery. Um, we have Miss Alicia Wolf on today. We're going to be discussing a diagnosis of vestibular equivalent migraine and her experience. Okay, so Alicia was diagnosed with chronic vestibular migraine in 2016, a diagnosis that she reports changed her life. She documents her journey from being bedridden to extremely active by following the Heal Your Headache diet, incorporating key supplements, and making lifestyle changes. The Dizzy Cook is a collection of her simple recipes and tips for the migraine community, their friends, and family. I couldn't have said it better myself. This is exciting. Alicia's done such a phenomenal job of putting some really um, exciting resources together for patients. So Alicia, thank you so much for being here today. Um, we are excited to chat with you. So how are you doing and um, how are you feeling about kind of sharing your experience with us and getting going? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I'm really excited to be here and tell my story too. So tell us, you know, what type of symptoms were you experiencing? Tell us everything. Um, my symptoms really started out very light, actually. Um, I was coming back from a two-week trip around Asia and uh, started to feel a little bit of lightheadedness, uh, faint dizziness, but I just kind of um, attributed that to the time changes and being tired, going straight back to work. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, as I sort of let things go, the dizziness just progressively got worse to the point where it was really distracting throughout the day. My head constantly felt foggy. It got difficult to drive. I had what they call like Alice in Wonderland type symptoms where objects would uh, appear to be different sizes or I would feel like I was walking on marshmallows or clouds um, when I was just on a steady flat floor. Um, sometimes I felt like the ground was moving underneath me. It was the strangest thing I'd ever experienced in my life. Um, really freaked me out. And I remember actually sitting in my car one day. I was uh, driving all my coworkers to lunch, and I had parked my car. But all of a sudden, I slammed on my brakes because I felt like I was moving forward. And I looked down and I realized my car was actually in park. And I, I looked over at my coworkers and I was like, did anyone else feel that? And they all looked at me like I was crazy. And so I would have these false sensations of movement. Um, so I knew something was very wrong with me. I just didn't know what. And it took a while for the doctors to figure out what was wrong with me as well. 
Okay. So when you did follow up with your specialists, you know, how long did you wait for that? And what did they diagnose you with? Well, actually, I started out at my primary care physician, and she just kind of thought I was stressed from all the traveling. She's like, maybe you got a little cold or something on the plane. We'll just give you some antibiotics. We'll give you some um, steroids. And from there, you know, just let me know how you're feeling. Well, they didn't really help, so I came back to her. She was like, oh, you know, I'm sure you're just stressed from your job. You know, maybe you need to see someone to talk to, relax a little bit more. So I figured I wasn't getting anywhere with her. I decided to research some ENTs. Uh, So I went with what's called the D's Best ENT List. Um, It's this magazine in Dallas that kind of ranks doctors and, and gives you what are supposed to be the best doctors in Dallas. Um, so he kind of ran quite a few tests on me, um, you know, hearing tests and also did some of the maneuvers that are good for BPPV, like the Epley maneuver to see if I had crystals that had, um, been dislodged. And that's usually a common cause of like vertigo and dizziness. Um, and so when that didn't help, he referred me out to a dizzy clinic which uh, started me on some VRT exercises. Um, They kind of mentioned that I could have vestibular neuritis or a paralymphistula. In the meantime, I saw other neurologists who never once brought up migraine to me. They told me it could be potential MS. I could have anxiety, uh, just a number of different things. So I wasn't getting one straight answer from anyone I was faithfully doing um, vestibular rehab probably, you know, four or five times a week. I wasn't making progress. I did um, a lot of testing actually at the Dizzy Clinic's office. And um, what they had me do was put on the goggles to measure my eye movements and, you know, blew air into my ear and everything like that. And I actually got a call a few days later that they messed up the tests. And these weren't doctors who were giving my tests. They were like some kind of assistant. The guy didn't seem really confident in what he was doing, um, which made me a little bit nervous. And so when they told me I had a weakness in my ear, they were thinking, you know, it was either paralymphistula or vestibular neuritis. Um but they couldn't quite tell and they didn't know why I wasn't getting better. So they were kind of leaning towards it being a paralymphistula and had told me I would have to get a surgery that would make me deaf. At that point, I was just like, oh my gosh, I, I need to find someone who really knows what's going on. So I reached out on Facebook actually to all my friends and family. And I just said, I can't drive. I can't work. I'm about to lose my job. I need help. Does anyone know anyone that's ever experienced any sensations like this before? And one of our friends got in touch with me and said he knew some doctors at the Arizona um, Mayo Clinic that he could set me up with. And so we ended up driving 16 hours to go to the Mayo Clinic because they, um, the Disney Clinic had told me I wasn't allowed to fly in case it was a paralympic fistula. 
And so I went to the Mayo, did an entire day of testing, and their tests were so high-end. Um, it was a completely different experience than what I had originally encountered. Um, I saw actually three different doctors that day who ran me through the tests they specialize in, and it was very precise, very professional, and just a complete 180 from anything I had dealt with before. So the next day I received all my results. My doctor walked in and he goes, you have vestibular migraine. And I laughed at him. I was like, no, I've never had a really bad headache in my life. Like I, this isn't, this isn't my diagnosis. You're wrong. And he goes, actually, there's quite a few people uh, that have this and they don't ever experience head pain. It's a type of migraine that affects your vestibular system and it can cause these sensations of dizziness, vertigo, um, disassociation. And, uh, you know, it's kind of been a new diagnosis in the last 10 years, but we're seeing more and more of it. And so you need to see a neurologist to further your treatment. So that's kind of where it started. <laughs> so what is the time frame of that? So, you know, from the time that you guys return back from Asia to the time that you're at Mayo Clinic sitting in that physician's office with, you know, a diagnosis, um, what did that look like as far as, you know, months and months, weeks and weeks, years and years? It was six months. Wow. And in that time, I was losing my job. Um, I didn't have an official diagnosis, so trying to get short-term disability, FMLA, was nearly impossible because no doctor wanted to sign off on it, not really knowing, or when they thought I just had anxiety, they weren't, they were like, well, just get over it, go, go back to work, chill out, you know, they didn't realize how debilitating this was for me, and so um, neither did my HR department. So it was really, really tough. And I, that's why I eventually reached out to everyone I knew and kind of shared what I was going through because I was about to lose my career. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of came to, okay, we have to travel. No one here knows what's going on with me. And it ended up that one of the top experts in vestibular migraine actually lives in Dallas. I just had no idea at the time. And I had been on his wait list. He had like a six month wait list to get into. And, and I was on his wait list at the time, but just couldn't get into him. So, <laughs> so at Mayo, when you met with the neurologist, um, is that how you kind of followed up back in Dallas with the, the specialist back in your town? Yeah. So actually the doctor I saw at the Mayo was an ENT and he basically said, I can diagnose you, but I can't treat you. So you need a neurologist to really get into the migraine medications and everything that I'm not familiar with. Um, so during that week, actually the doctor in Dallas, who I see Dr. Bay at UT Southwestern, he um, had a cancellation and managed to work me in the week after. So it just all kind of fit together at the perfect time. Um, so when I saw him, he had his own set of tests he put me through. And he's like, yep, you have vestibular migraine. You know, we're going to get this taken care of for you. And what kind of tests did he put you through? 
Um, Dr. Bayes was a little bit interesting. Actually, he has these blinds in the back of his office, and he says he can always kind of tell if a patient's going to have vestibular issues or vestibular migraine by if they can't stand the blinds in his office. So it's kind of a sick way of <laughs> torturing Simple and easy. Him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, no, he he also did a lot of the ENG, VNG tests, um, had the goggles that put, he put on my eyes and everything like that. Um, so he had his own set of testing that he went through and, you know, balance tests where they kind of see how much you sway with certain, with certain sensations or by looking at certain things. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a quite a few tests. <laughs> now I can imagine after the six month time frame, um, were you feeling a sensation of relief that, that Mayo gave you a diagnosis and then Dr. Bay, you know, kind of echoed, you know, the same diagnosis and, and had a, a plan as far as kind of next steps for you? Yes, it was a huge relief. In fact, I remember feeling so much better that week because I had, it was like a huge weight had lifted off of me. And um, Dr. Bay was really wonderful. I had told him that, um, you know, my husband and I wanted to start a family soon. So there were a lot of migraine medications that I couldn't be on unless I wanted to wean off them quickly and they're not really meant for that. So he worked with me on a medication supplement diet plan where I could easily come off the medications I was on in case I wanted to get pregnant. Now, what did that look like for you with regard to medications and and supplements or natural treatment that he recommended? Uh, so Dr. Bay, right away, he wanted to really calm down my brain. Um, so he put me on the lowest dose possible of Ativan. And I just took that at night for about two months to kind of calm everything down. Helped me a lot. Um, he also started me on what's called Timolol eye drops. It's a beta blocker, uh, but an eye drop form. So they're actually a great preventative because they're absorbed so quickly into your system. So I could use them as a preventative or as an acute treatment if I felt an attack coming on. And the dosage was so small that um, it, it wasn't as high as like a pill medication. So I wasn't uh, experiencing a lot of the side effects that some people get from beta blocker pills. He also recommended the top supplements that have been researched for migraine, which were magnesium, uh, B2 and CoQ10 as well, um, in that mix. And so through my own research, I kind of realized that magnesium glycinate and magnesium threonate were like the two best supplements I could really use that wouldn't cause a lot of stomach upset, which sometimes we can get from taking the amount of magnesium that doctors want us on for migraine management. Uh, so glycinate and uh, threonate actually, threonate helps me a lot with my brain fog symptoms. So I like that in the morning and glycinate, I like at night, it kind of relaxes me. Uh, so those were two things I kind of started taking that really seemed to help out a lot. Now at this time, um, are you starting the vestibular rehab program again, or what does he have you doing with any type of activities, um, outside of the medications? 
Yeah. So he kind of told me to stay as active as possible, but I was really scared to do vestibular rehab again because of my first experience with it. I mean, they were just pushing me constantly um, to my edge. I couldn't drive home afterwards. I was so dizzy. I felt sick. Um, So he referred me to a vestibular therapist in his clinic. And when I met with her, she said they were just pushing me too hard. Um, you know, you really have to give the brain time to compensate and calm down between these vestibular therapy sessions. So she described it perfectly in that whenever I came to an appointment, she wanted me to note that baseline, how I felt. However, you know, my ranking of dizziness that day, whether it was a five, a six. So anything we did that day, when it raised my dizziness, she always wanted me to return to that baseline, whether it was that five or six within like an hour of our appointment finishing. And that helped me out a lot. Um, another thing we really tried was I, I had a trip plan, my first trip after I was diagnosed. Um, and we decided to go to Las Vegas, which was like the silliest, dumbest place to go when you have a vestibular disorder. Um, but it was an annual trip we always take and I didn't want to, uh, just not go because of this illness. I had given up so much already. So, uh, she helped me prepare myself for that trip by having me watch different videos of people walking through casinos. So whether it was like a professional camera that was kind of easily gliding through all the slot machines and by the bars or, it would range to a really difficult video, like some drunk guy yelling at his kids with a beer in his hand and recording on his iPhone. So depending on how I felt that day, I could kind of build up the videos over time um, and just watch them until I felt my dizziness raise and then always come back to that baseline. So that seemed to help me a lot. And I did great on my trip. It was like night and day for me. So how long did you do that before going on your trip? And how many times a day did you do that? Um, I would say I practiced almost every other day um, or at least like three times, three to four times a week, um, just short little sessions. And then I always saw her one time a week where we would go through all the exercises. Um, but I probably did this for about, three or four months at least before we went. Now, in kind of the background here, what was the discussion with your physician about diet? So the medications were started, you're going through the vestibular rehab with the specialist. What was the discussion about diet and how that interacts with what you were feeling? So originally, all he really told me was, okay, just avoid the big guys like chocolate, aged cheese, smoked meats, cured meats, um, you know, try to cut back on coffee. So when I did that, I wasn't really getting results. I was starting to feel better with meds and supplements, but I just had kind of stalled on my progress. So I started researching other natural treatments, anything I could do. And that's when I came across the heal your headache diet. And I saw that it was written by a doctor um, from Johns Hopkins, 
And a lot of the people who endorsed it were, um, you know, really famous doctors that are very trustworthy. Um, and it was also endorsed by the Johns Hopkins Clinic as kind of what they put their patients on who have migraine. So I thought, okay, out of all the diets I could be on, Whole30, Paleo, this seems like the best option to try specifically for migraine. So I thought, what do I have to lose? I took it into Dr. Bay and he's like, you know, it's strict, but if you want to try this, go ahead. I'll support you. Like it seems to be backed by great people. So, um, I'm all for it. So I tried it for about two months and it, it was hard to start. I tried it for about two months and I remember thinking, oh, this diet is stupid. I didn't really see a huge difference. Um, and I used to eat yogurt almost every day for breakfast before I started this diet, which is one of those things you can't have because it's fermented. And so um, I, I had made lamb that night. I loved tzatziki sauce. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to try some of this yogurt tonight. And I'm sure it won't bother me because the diet doesn't seem to be helping anyway. And probably within an hour or so, I had this violent vertigo attack with the spinning and I felt like the table was moving. And I hadn't had one of those since I was first, before I had even been diagnosed and I knew something was wrong with me. Um, so I knew the diet had to be working and this was potentially a trigger for me. So I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to stick with this a few more months and see how it goes. And I, I was really glad I did because probably about the fifth or sixth month then I really started having like a hundred percent dizzy free days, which was awesome. It sounds like there's, there's a lot to rule out. Um, <laughs> how did you go through that process? Yeah. Um, so the diet kind of recommends you stay pretty strict for three to four months um, I extended mine from five to six just till I started feeling better. And I think that makes it easier to kind of decide what is triggering for you if you have that break in your dizziness. So if you're chronic and are dizzy 24-7, it'll probably make it really hard to distinguish food triggers for you. You're just not to a great place. Like you should stick with it for longer or consider you know, changing diets if it doesn't seem to be working. Um, but once I had those breaks in my dizziness, I could start incorporating foods and, and bring them back in. And that's really what the diet's about. It's an elimination diet. So you're not meant to be on it forever. It's just to kind of test these food triggers. So in order to really tell you have to be strict on the diet. You can't just go half in because otherwise you could be eating things that you don't think are upsetting you. And uh, secretly they are, or maybe they are when they're combined um, with other triggers like weather or hormones. Um, so really the theory behind all this is you have kind of a bucket. And as you fill that bucket with triggers, whether it be hormones, um, you know, light, bright lights or uh, bad weather, anything, maybe it's a lot of travel. As that, that bucket fills, maybe you can tolerate chocolate one day, but 
if you have chocolate on the day, your bucket is full, then it'll cause you to exceed that migraine threshold. So by lowering it totally, even with things that may not be triggers for you, you're kind of able to distinguish what's upsetting you. So I would just incorporate a food back in that I had eliminated and test it for about two or three days. And if it didn't, I didn't notice it increased my dizziness or cause head pain or anything like that. Um, I could mark it as safe, but my food triggers ended up being pretty obvious, like especially nuts for me. I automatically get dizzy. Um, yogurt is still a big one for me. Um, there are a few that are a little muddy. They seem to be lower triggers. So if I'm having a particularly stressful day, I know I can't tolerate those. But overall, I've been able to incorporate a lot back into my diet. And it's kind of nice to know the things that are still triggers. And I still test them throughout, um, you know, every few months just to make sure that they still bother me. So kind of going back to when you first initiated this, what did you do? Did you just go in your cupboards and throw everything out, stop cold turkey? Or did you kind of on the weekend say, I deserve some Taco Bell? Or how did you go about that? <laughs> um, yeah, I just decided to go all in. And that was a lot of cleaning out what was in my fridge and cupboards. And I had this hidden a list of hidden MSG with me, which is crazy if you guys haven't seen it. It's things like uh, you would never realize like natural flavoring or yeast extract that uh, is a form of MSG, but it and can uh, trigger people who are really sensitive to it, but no one's realizing it because all they're looking for is MSG on an ingredient label. So going through all those hidden names, I had to throw out about half my fridge, or I gave them to my parents, actually, which is a good way to reuse um, and recycle, but, you know, give everything to your migraine-free friends. Um, but then I started making note, I'd go to the grocery store with my sunglasses and my hat, and I would just take an hour in there when it wasn't busy, you know, either later in the evening, not on weekends, don't do that to yourself. But I would go through all the products there and just read the labels and decide, okay, I can have this. I can't have this. And so I built up kind of this list that I could depend on. And I still stick with that to this day just because it's better to eat natural foods that don't have a bunch of additives and, you know, whole foods, uh, fresh veggies and meats and everything like that. Um, I mean, you'd be surprised they even put carrageenan into um, organic milks and stuff like that to thicken it. So just kind of being aware of what's in your food and trying to choose cleaner alternatives really helped me a lot just in my normal everyday life. So once I got past that first hump, it it was a lot easier. It's just the first month is the worst and you're going to mess up. But just kind of give yourself grace and understand that you're not perfect, but you don't have to start all over again. It's just hop back on it and, um, you know, keep on going. 
Well, how did you do overall? Because it just sounds very overwhelming, um, especially when yeah. you're not feeling well and then you're trying to strategize kind of in the midst of all of that. Did you have to um, use any additional resources or any additional referrals? Because you kind of touched a little bit on, you know, the dizziness and the anxiety or kind of the the um, emotional aspects to it. Did you rely on anything else with regard to kind of that outlet? Yeah. Um Actually, I ended up um, going online and I found a support group. It was called Migraine Strong. And everyone in there was super helpful and they help with different types of diets, whether you're on keto or heal your headache. And they were kind of recommending different products or people would could upload pictures and ask if something was okay. And I started realizing that this was a great resource, but there was no one on there with recipes and everyone was asking for recipes. And so any recipes put in there, you know, you'd have to search for a while because it's an, it's a Facebook group. So you'd have to search through and they would get lost eventually. So I thought, wouldn't this be great if I could have like a fun food blog, but Instead, it would be catered for people with migraine. And so that's kind of how I got the idea for Dizzy Cook um, was I wanted a place that felt like some of my favorite food blogs, like I'd go on, you know, Smitten Kitchen or Pinch of Yum, but everything on there I found I'd have to edit so much to make it, you know, good for the diet. And so I started um, really... In that time, I started creating my own recipes because I just couldn't find a lot that fit this diet. And so I started writing them down and kind of put the both together and realized, okay, there's something here. Like this could be helpful for other people too. And that's kind of how the Dizzy Cook was born. Well, and it's such a fun story. So let's chat a little bit about that because, you know, it's one thing to go through this journey and this personal journey and and really have to navigate your own resources. But it's such an amazing thing for you to be able to provide that resource for other people. So what did that process look like with regard to, you know, great idea, good recipes, but I'm going to launch a website and I'm going to make it look, you know, aesthetically very clean and beautiful. And, you know, walk us through what kind of the inception of that was. Yeah. Um, so I knew that if I was going to do this, I'd have to really be able to cater to a wide mass of people. And this was just from being in the support group. And I hear all the time, oh, what can you eat besides water and kale or, I would starve or, you know, Mm. so many excuses. And here I was at my home. Cooking was giving me this huge outlet where, you know, I was losing my job. I had lost my job, actually. Um, And to migraine, I just couldn't um, do it anymore. And I felt completely worthless at the time. And I would sit on the couch all day and just research into this stuff. And at the end of the day, the one thing I could control and feel really confident about was my cooking. And I would kind of use it as vestibular therapy, too. I would look from the salt and grab that spice and everything, put everything in the bowl. I mean, it's not easy to cook with a vestibular disorder, but it does help you learn those movements. And you do, I think it does help you adjust. 
But it was so fulfilling to me to be able to make these recipes and feel like I did something at the end of the day. And I wanted other people to have that satisfaction too, when they felt worthless, like they could at least make this meal that even their family would love and enjoy. So I knew I had to get on, um, I had to have recipes on there that, you know, your spouse would enjoy, your kids would enjoy because without their support, it can make a migraine diet very difficult. Um, so those were the kind of recipes I wanted. And then building the website, I just knew I couldn't do a lot of videos or no flashing ads. You won't see a lot of flashing ads on there. Um, I wanted to keep it clean for people with a vestibular disorder, just knowing that's one thing I hate about food blogs too, is you click on something from Pinterest and like five things pop up and they're flashing all over the place and trying to get you to click on them. And I knew I couldn't do that with people who have a vestibular disorder. So I, I do keep that all in mind for the website. Now, how did this transition into a cookbook? Because I think that's really exciting for a lot of people is, you know, obviously one to go onto the food blog and find kind of, you know, your tips and tricks, but to have something tangible in their home is fun. So tell us a little yeah. bit about what that looks like and how that came to fruition. So I actually thought it was a joke. <laughs> um, my editor found me and she experiences vestibular migraine herself. And we had kind of talked off and on, but I had no idea she was a book editor. I still don't know how she does it um, with vestibular migraine. It's, she's pretty amazing. Uh, but this was close to her heart to not only have a book about a migraine diet, there just isn't a lot out there. Um, and everything out there does feel pretty restrictive. Um, and then secondly, you know, talking about vestibular migraine, again, there's not a lot of books out there. It's, it's a fairly new diagnosis. So it was really on her heart to um, do a book like this. And she found my website. And she also loves to cook. And she was making a few of my recipes and reached out and just said, your recipes are great. I love them. Would you be interested in doing a book? And I thought she was joking <laughs> or trying to scam me, <laughs> but it turns out it was a, a, a real deal. And we talked for, for a few weeks and then decided on a contract. And um, now we're going through the editing process together and she's been wonderful and really helped me through it. Um, so we've been really working together on what recipes we think migraine, you know, anyone with migraine will love and also what do people with vestibular migraine want to know? Um, what information can we give them that maybe their doctors aren't necessarily touching on? Uh, so there's a little bit of that in there too. So when do you think this book's going to come out? <laughs> it is scheduled. It's actually on Amazon right now for pre-order, but it is scheduled to come out February of 2020. Okay. What would you say your top five favorite recipes are? My top five favorite recipes? Oh, that's so hard. Okay, so I'm a Texas girl, so I love queso and enchiladas. So I have two recipes in yeah. there for that, which are amazing. Um, I have a, oh, 
um, there are these blondies that I actually have on my website too. But uh, when I had to give up brownies, I really was looking for a blondie recipe that was super gooey like brownies are. And, and I just couldn't find one online. So it took several tries, um, much to all my friends' dismay, I'm sure. But it took several tries to get it right. Um, but they're these super gooey, delicious white chocolate blondies that are in there. Um, a lot of the breakfast recipes are really good. They're creative. I know a lot of, um, I know breakfast is really difficult on migraine diet just because you can't have things like yogurt or, you know, pre-made sausages or anything like that. So there's an acai bowl that I love on there. Um, what else? Oh, there's a burrata salad that is out of this world. Um, it has like these zatar croutons, so like a Mediterranean spice. And that's part of the cookbook too, is I use a lot of different spices to kind of add the flavorings that, um, you would normally miss, you know, just not being able to purchase pre-made stuff at the grocery store. So it's, I want people to know that migraine diet is anything but boring, <laughs> Well, and you won't starve. <laughs> see, and I think that's what's so exciting. I think your story is just so, um, it, it just, it brings such a, a level of hope and excitement, hopefully, to a lot of people who are suffering and, and are not getting the resources um, that they need. And so I think that's what really made us kind of, you know, gravitate towards your website. And, and it's exciting that you're able to provide such a, such a great kind of outlet for a lot of people. So there's so much more that we want to get to. So we'll just have to have you back. So, um, Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. We're, we're excited for February, 2020. And, um, we definitely got to dive deep into dizziness with you and we would love to have you back on our show. So Alicia, Thank you so much. And where can people find you? What's your Facebook, your website handle, your blog, and where we can find uh, that case? So plugs. <laughs> Everything is the Dizzy Cook. So Twitter, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, Facebook, everything's the Dizzy Cook. And I actually have a Dizzy Cook recipe chat. It's called the Dizzy Cook recipe chat. And people can join that group. And if they have questions about anything, how to make a recipe, if they're struggling with meal planning, they can go on there. And there's so many helpful people on there that are amazing that will just get you on the right track, including myself. Um, and then you can also find me on, at thedizzycook.com. And I also write for Migraine Again, Migraine Strong, and My Chronic Brain. So, um, yeah, you can find me almost anywhere, but, um, I also have a contact se section on my website if anyone wants to reach out as well. Love it. All Wonderful. Right. So we are so excited to bring you to our audience and we just want to thank all of our listeners and remember that, uh, we will be back for our next podcast to bring more hope and more resources for people who are suffering from dizziness. So thank you, Alicia. And we are signing thank off. Thanks guys. <laughs> Join us again next time when Deep in Dizziness offers important news, solutions, and advice to help those facing the challenges of dizziness, vertigo, and balance problems live a happier life. To reach Dr. Brooke Pierce and Dr. Chelsea Nava, 
Call 310-954-2207 or visit them online at dizzyandvertigo.com.